I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 188. Okay, I feel like we've been in the 180s for forever. I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. It just came to me. Because it's October, and so we've recorded so much. Yes. But we're on, you know, it's only main episodes that we count. So it's like, wait, no. we. How's it been three episodes? Yeah. But it's been 75? Okay, that it just clicked in my head when I'm like, I have no idea. Oh, actually, I do. Thanks for letting us along on that train of thought. <laughs> And we never want to see in her brain again. (laughs) I actually have two things to say today. One's because of the other. So we'll just start off with the sad thing and get it the fuck over. So y'all all all know my baby Bo, my little, not so little, English bulldog that I rescued about two years ago. We actually had to put Bo down. I guess, I don't know. I don't even know what, you lose all concept of time. So at some point... One day, one Friday. If you're in the Facebook group, you already know this because I did announce it there, but I wanted to wait until we did like a main episode to put this on so that everybody who listens who may or may not be in the Facebook group can hear. But basically, he tore his little doggy ACL. I know that's not actually what it's called in dogs, but that's what they refer to it because it makes more sense because that's what it is in humans. He tore his really bad, like completely had been partially torn for at least a year. I found out that his other leg was partially torn, and that happened before I even got him. But because he was so big, I mean, he was 112 pounds, and that's really big for an English bulldog, they couldn't do the surgery right away because if they did, it would be a disaster, and it's this really expensive surgery, and then it would fail. So we were going to have to wait for him to lose some weight. We got him tested for thyroid and all of that, and they found out he did have hypothyroidism. So that's why he was so big. So we started him on medicine. We started him on medicine, like injections for his joints to try to see if we could take his pain away. He got a little joint injection too. We did everything to possibly take his pain away while we waited for the surgery. But he just took a turn and he wasn't himself because he couldn't walk without somebody holding up his back legs. And he just told us it was time. So... It went downhill really quickly with him so that he didn't hurt anymore because he did end up tearing the other leg too. Um, We had to put him down. So I know that y'all all all love Bo as much as I do and miss him as much as I do. It was a really tough decision and it was so hard. It was so hard to see him like that. He had such labored breathing because of the fluid that was on him. It was so wild because the leg that he had torn first, it was swollen. And luckily, Carrie knows how to wrap and stuff, you know, so it like helped on that. But she sent a picture and it's like, oh, yeah, it is swollen. Like you can see that. But they had stood him up one time and you could see you could see the difference in it. And it looked like two separate bulldogs standing beside each other. But then his whole body was that swollen body, you know? And so I know how my dad gets, like he was breathing like my dad when my dad has fluid on his lungs and stuff. And he just was lethargic at the end. He wouldn't raise his head. You know, he just, he just wasn't Bo anymore. Well, and you know, it's time with any dog when they stop eating. So Colby and I had to, 
make the hardest decision that we've ever had to make together. We've been through so much, Colby and I, just in the two years that we've been together. Like, it has been, you know, deaths in families, sickness, a fucking pandemic, the death of our baby now, you know. But Colby was amazing, and we got to be with Bo until his very last breath. And so that was very special. And we have a little paw print, like a little... um, I don't know. It's like a mold of his paw print. And then they gave us a little like stamp basically of his little nose print. And Colby and I were lucky enough that we were both able to take that whole day off of work. So we got to just hang out and my coworker sent us flowers, which was like the sweetest thing on the planet. And, you know, because I felt like people don't really understand. And I know this is so long and y'all are probably like fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. But I feel like, you know, we don't have kids and Bo was our kid. So I just appreciated them understanding that, like sending flowers and all, because, you know, work could be like, you're putting your dog down. Like, no, you can't be off. But we were both lucky enough that we were able to take the day off. But since we did take the day off, we got to finish, well, start from, course, Colby hadn't even seen the first episode, but we watched all of Clickbait. So that was my other thing, which is why I said that they were related, because had we not been off work all day together and just literally laid on the couch all day together. And needed your mind off of what had just happened. Yeah, we got to watch clickbait. And it it was such an interesting day in that, like, we both had our moments of, like, where we would kind of break down a little bit. But they were never really at the same time. Like, it was like you were, like, one of us was always there for the other one, because when I needed him, he was okay. And when he needed me, I was okay. So it was kind of great how that worked out for us, but clickbait was good. Go watch it. <laughs> Donna was right. <laughs> it was a um like quick and easy watch too. You know, you could yeah. just kind of like you needed to pay attention, but you didn't have to pay attention. You know, when I wanted, it doesn't to, matter if you pay attention because yeah, it's twist and turns, right? And all of the things. You're like, I got it figured out. No, I don't get it figured out. No, I got it figured. No, I don't get it figured out. One thing that's funny though, like. Just to make light of the situation, because that's what I do when I'm in pain, is when, I don't know, they've had, you know, long conversations, her and Colby, about everything. And, you know, they took this very serious because that's what she said. Like, even though fur babies aren't real, actual human babies, they are still a part of your family. And Colby had went to a CBD store and gotten all this candy because after dinner one night, she was like, yeah, we ate our feelings. And so, like, they were eating some stuff. And, like, I cracked up because I was like, where did you get this from? And he said, that store up there. And I was like, so you went in and you got all the munchy food. So, you know, that person was like, oh, they high as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And and Colby was like, yeah, my eyes were probably all red too from crying. <laughs> and so, they were like, damn. So <laughs> we had gummy bears and gummy worms and Milky Ways and... <laughs> I try to, what are those called? A zero? Yes. And you have had that before. I swear to God, I never had it, but it was good. Yes. I always thought it had coconut, so I never ate it, but it was good. I was like, oh, I'll eat that again. No, that was one of my mama's favorite, and you've ate it because I do not eat it. Yeah. It's this little like gas station that sells all the things. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Enough sadness. Let's talk about more sadness because your stories have been heavy as fuck well okay so i'm kind of channeling my inner donna a little bit on this story oh it's like my story but got a little bit of you in it okay oh you know what we gotta do way before we go to my story patreon us ma'am don't steal my thunder on a day that i've already cried on a fucking episode (laughs) i never 
cry on episodes, <laughs> and I did. That's your job. So, Patreoners! <laughs> Kick me while I'm fucking down, man. <laughs> All right. So, thank you so much, Brianna H. from Ohio. Cassie S. from Maine. Tiffany H. from Michigan. Luna K. from Washington. Kenya H. from Ohio. All the H's. God, I had three in a row. Valentine M. from France. Unica W. from Georgia. And Taylor F. from Texas. You know what? Taylor F. from Texas. See, I got your back. Only when I pointed out to you when you stabbed me in the back. Ma'am. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, thank you all so much for joining Patreon and supporting us. Y'all are getting a ton of 31 Nights of Halloween content. So hopefully you're binging all of that and the tons of bonus episodes that's in the backlog. So if you want all the shit that these people are getting, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, so back to my story that's a little Donna and a lot me. All that it reminds me of is when Donnie and Marie say, I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Which one are you? Country. Yeah. More so than rock and roll. Yeah. Which one are you? Neither. I'm the, I don't know the word. I'm in the audience clapping off beat. Okay. So picture it. April 27th, 1997. There's a couple of different variations to like this part of the story, but we're going to go with this one. Oh, it is like my stories. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) Okay. There's a little village and this is in Indonesia. So this young farmer had gone out into the sugarcane fields to feed his livestock. And so from what I understand, just based on this story, it sounds like it's kind of like a shared sugarcane field where people's livestock can feed and all that yeah so see i'm more country yeah (laughs) i was like so there's cows and apparently (laughs) i had to move to texas to learn that there's different kinds of cows there's cows that you eat there's cows that you milk there's cows that i don't know do other things (laughs) so he's in the sugarcane field and he sees this like pile of dirt and he's like huh that's weird. Spidey senses go up. He's like, something's really weird. So he decides that he's going to go to the head guy of the area, the village, and be like, hey, there's this like weird pile of dirt. We should check it out. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. Um, Actually, just go ahead. Check it out. Let us know if, you know, what's in it. If there's human bones, we want to know. Otherwise, just go on about your way. Okay. Okay. Because it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for it to be like somebody's animal bones lay in there. You know, they buried yeah. something, whatever. But again, his spidey senses went up. So they're like, if it's human, just just hit us up, right? Because the other thing that he did, the farmer, young farmer guy, he had a stick that he stuck into that pile of dirt and he smelled like decay. Okay. So he was like, like extra, extra, extra spidey sense. This ain't good. Right. Also, sir, don't stick your stick where you don't know where what you're going to stick it into. That's what she said. That's a life lesson for everybody. It really is. Look, glory holes, caves you don't know about, mm-hmm. crevices you're not sure what's in there. Mm-hmm. I love that you went with glory holes first. You're just led there. I mean, what did you think? I mean, that's what I was talking about. Okay, then. 
In total, six men go to this area to start digging to see what they find. It took them two hours, and they uncovered the decomposing body of a naked woman. So they were like, abort, 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 go get the military, because it's like military versus police. I guess that's the thing in Indonesia. I I don't know, this sounds so ignorant right now, but it's like military. You know what I think about this whole time? And you're going to be like, that's not right because it's in Thailand, but broke down palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because there's like a whole jail thing later. And so Mm. I just saw I can picture. I don't know why. Meanwhile, totally different country. So the body that they found, like I said, was naked and it was very bloated. And it was in this like muddy grave. At first, they were like, who, you know, who is it? But later they realized that there was a 21-year-old girl named Sri Kamala Dewi. She's been missing for three days, and the police bring her family in to identify the body. And it was, in fact, her. Just 21 years old. So they're trying to figure out what happened. Like, where where did she go? As far as her family knew, she had just left to go run an errand. But they didn't know what it was or anything like that. A few days later, this 15-year-old, who is a rickshaw driver, tells the police that, hey, actually, I think I may be like the last person to see her alive because she had me take her somewhere. As an extra large pizza, my nightmare. Yeah. You know how they have those in New Orleans, like Mm -hmm. with the bike and, uh. My nightmare. I really want to do one of those so bad, but I would never do that to someone. I know. On Amazing Race and stuff, they have to do all kinds of, mm -mm, no, 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 no. So this 15-year-old is like, okay, it was kind of weird. She wanted me to take her somewhere, but she wouldn't tell me where I was taking her. Like, she would just give him directions, like, take a right, take a left, go straight, go here. You know, wouldn't actually tell him where she was going. So he's like, "What? where the hell am I going? And she's like, okay, 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 okay. She told him she wanted to go to this Datuk's house. Basically, that means someone that's important from, you know, the research that I have. Someone please correct me if I'm wrong. So he ended up taking her there. And this Datuk was what the village considered a sorcerer. So in Indonesia, most of the country is Muslim. However, they're very spiritual and they're very into like sorcery, that kind of thing. Higher powers of everything has a soul and you can have offerings and rituals to bring you certain things. So in certain towns, there would be a sorcerer, typically who practiced like black magic, but I, I don't, well, I shouldn't say typically, some that practice black magic, I guess maybe all of them didn't. But you could go to them to ask for different things, for wealth, for love, for anything. And they would perform these rituals with you, cast spells to get you what you wanted. So she was going because she had a fiance and she wanted to be sure that he was not going to leave her for another woman. Now, she didn't tell anybody because it was often kept in secret when you would go see the sorcerers. People didn't tell. Like it was, so they were considered a doctuk because they were like elevated in society. And so people trusted them and went to them. But I think depending on what you were going to them for, 
you would kind of keep it hush hush. So if it's like, hey, I want to make sure that my fiance doesn't have affairs on me, you didn't tell it as much. Right. But people would go to them for healing and that sort of thing too. So it wasn't always kept in secret, but then again, it was. So police go to his house and his name was Ahmad Siraji. So police bring Ahmad in and they're like, hey, what do you know about this? Because everything I listened to called her Dewi. So that's what we're going to call her from here. But they're like, okay, so this girl that came to see you a couple of days ago, she is found dead in this field. Like, what do you know? And he's like, I don't know anything. She came to see me. Well, at first he said, I don't know anything about her, period. But then he was like, yeah, 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 she came to see me and left. Well, he denied having any interaction with her other than that. Like, she left. Everything was fine when she she was alive when she left, and that was it. See, if he would have been up front the first time and said, yeah, she came to see me, blah, 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 and not like, I don't know her, didn't have anything to do with her. You know what I mean? Right. Like, why lie when you know they know? Well, police searched his house. Like, I'm not saying you can get away with it if you come up, you know, like just those white lies trip you up because they're going to, they're going to ask you something that they already know the answer to at first. Right. So just be honest then. So they could at least be like, oh, he's cooperating with us. When police searched his house, they actually found some of Dewey's belongings. Oh, shit. Like wallet, that kind of thing. Oh, shit. So... When police came back to Ahmad and were like, mm, explain your shit that's in your house. Mm-hmm. His story changed again. And this is what we know. Ahmad was born and raised in Indonesia. His dad was a cattle farmer. And his dad was a self-proclaimed sorcerer as well. And Ahmad's mom was Muslim. So his dad was practicing black magic and they were really into it and they actually traveled like his parents traveled a lot because of his dad's like sorcery work question mark if that's how you how you say it so his parents weren't there a lot so he basically was kind of stuck raising himself and growing up Ahmad who was actually born Nasib Kaluing I hope I'm saying that correct but Growing up, he had a really difficult time in school, didn't fit in. He was bullied a lot. Basically, he was kind of like the weird kid whose dad was a sorcerer. Yeah. And so kids picked on him really, really bad. Dude, see, I'd be like, you better. My dad's going to cast a fucking spell uh-huh, on you. He's going to turn you into a fucking toad. So ribbit, ribbit away, motherfucker. <laughs> well, by the time Ahmad was 19, he started having some run-ins with the law. He went to prison for 10 years for what they said were petty crimes and public violence. So from what I gather, it was like stealing stuff. But what the public violence was, I don't know. Can you imagine 10 years in Indonesian prison? Mm-hmm. That's why I like totally picture Broke Down Palace. Yeah. That may not be what it's like at all. But but I did hear a lot of people talking about how in the Indonesian prisons, like you can pay police to torture prisoners Mm, and stuff like that so it was not it ain't an easy ride right it's no fucking american federal prison right so he does his 10 years in prison he gets out and just two years after he gets out he goes back to prison for 
stealing cattle. Because what they would do is they would steal the cattle, slaughter it, and then sell it at market to make money. And nobody really would be the wiser because how you know. Well, this time after he got out of prison, he was like, man, I don't like the way people look at me. I don't like this. Like, I'm going to do better. That's when he changed his name to Ahmad. He was like, look, no more stealing. No more this this shit. I'm going to be a sorcerer like my dad. So he set out to change himself and reinvent himself as Ahmad and as a sorcerer to be respected in his community instead of looked down upon as a criminal. Don't look down on people just because they've committed a crime. That's not what I'm saying. And he did exactly what he set out to do. The people of his community were buying it. They were in it to win it with him. They thought he could heal the sick, like he could do all the things, like change whether your fiance is going to have affairs on you and help you find love and do all the things. He did get married and he had three wives, which is based on his Muslim faith was totally okay. The only problem is, is that his sister wives were actually sisters. Oh, shit. Right. And that's not okay. Even the, oh, it's okay to have multiple wives. But even in their faith, it's like, but they can't actually be sisters. Right. So just like that TikTok said, he had nine kids that were brother cousins. (laughs) Did you see that? No. It's this TikTok where, like, you stitch with... Well, this word is very problematic, but it's like, when did you know you were white trash? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. And it's a a stitch of, it's actually about a murder. And this this girl says that after her mom and dad got divorced, her dad married her mom's sister. And she said, and they gave me my brother cousin. And then they gave me my sister cousin. But then, actually, the stepmom ended up being murdered. That was kind of the whole thing. But the brother cousin made me LOL. And I could not help but think about it whenever I was like, oh, they had nine kids. So they had brother cousins and sister cousins. Mm. But all was going well in their lives. He was living his life as a cattle farmer and sorcerer, just like his dad. He had his three wives and their nine kids. And that was all until the body of Dewey was found. And that's when he finally told police what had been going on. What had happened was... Well, he said that he saw an apparition. And the apparition was of his father. And his dad said that in order for you to attain invincibility, to be all the things, grand sorcerer of them all, you have to... Drink the saliva of 70 dead women. That's nasty as fuck. <laughs> well, you probably read that and was like, yep, picking this one. I literally did. I was like, I am 100% doing this story because that of Donna. That is nasty as fuck. Look, there were, there were moments where my mouth watered doing this story because it was so gross. Mm-mm. Okay, thank you. You straight deadpanned, turned and looked at me. <laughs> I don't, if if my mama came to me and said that, I'd been like, nah, I'm good. Well, he believed it. I, I'm sure he did. I don't care. But see, here's the thing. 
the apparition didn't tell him to kill women. The apparition just said you needed the saliva of 70 dead women. I mean, he could have Ed gained this. They ain't got saliva when they're dead. Touche. Don't tell me you still secrete saliva when you're dead. Well, I mean, it could have been some sort of mucus. Oh, okay. Too much. I'm done talking about this. The end. I mean, maybe he could have... I don't know how he could have done it. But the, but the apparition, his dad, did not tell him to kill these women. I mean, he basically did. But he said that was going to take a long time to get 70 women's... Dead for, women's saliva. So I got to speed this process up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So for the next 11 years... 11 years? He sped it up, eh? Women would come to him for assistance from him as a sorcerer like Dewey they would come to him to say hey can you make me healthy can you make me beautiful you know can you take make me attractive to men can you make my boyfriend fall in love with me can you make my husband not have affairs can you make all these things happen as a sorcerer and he would sit him down and he would say okay this is what we're going to do I'll take your money thank you Mm -hmm. like two hundred dollars in American money a lot of fucking money in Indonesia. Well, a lot of fucking money here, too. But a lot of money in Indonesia. But a lot of fucking money, too, here for me. He would take their fucking money, and then he would perform a ritual with them. And these women went along willingly because they thought they're getting the ritual done to get what they wanted. What they paid for. Exactly. So he would bind their arms, sometimes their legs, and they would basically sit in like half of a grave, like half, like a dug hole in the ground halfway up their body. Sometimes they would dig it themselves. Sometimes it would already be dug. And they would sit in it. And then he would start filling it up around them a little bit so they couldn't move. And again, they're thinking this is all part of the process. You know, they're probably thinking I'm becoming one with the earth, you know, so I can't try to wiggle my way out of the situation. You know, they're they're no telling how they're trying to reason mm-hmm. this. I mean, I can see being like, okay, again, one with the earth. They, he doesn't want me to fight this because this may be a hard process. Okay, going to tie my hands. Okay. And then he would strangle them and then turn their heads so he could drink their saliva. Then what he would do is he would take their clothes off so that they would decompose... Donna, you are literally, your eyes are watering. She is trying to not throw up so hard, y'all. It's nasty. Oh, it's I'm, that part. When I heard that part, I, I my mouth got watery. Yes. Like, I'm not even joking. It is awful. And we're not making light of what these women went through. It's It really is a disgusting thing. Yes. So, again, he would take their clothes off so that they would be naked and decompose faster and then bury them all the way now his wife helped one of his wives actually helped him with some of this not the killing part and more the cleanup like helped him take the clothes off of the bodies and then bury them all the way Uh, that's an accomplice though right so she actually was arrested and at first sentenced to death that they commuted it to a life in prison so all in all Ahmad confessed to killing 42 women. 42? Over the course of 11 years. And it's like, how did 42 women go missing and it not be like, ding, 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 ding? Right. But 
if you think about it, a lot of times their families didn't even know where they were going. Yeah. And people would travel some to get to him. Yeah. The other thing that he would do is he would pay sex workers. But like sometimes it was the sex workers coming to him for his services, mm-hmm. like, hey, can you make me make more money? Or can you know, they would seek him for his sorcery services. And I think that some of it was him actually paying sex workers to come out and then would kill them. But most of it made it sound like the sex workers were coming to him for his services. But again, it did go both ways. Well, but still, he always left them in like a dirt pile. Yeah, it was, I feel like not like shallow graves, but that didn't seem like they were very, I don't know. And Here's the thing he would do, too. So they ended up, like, excavating that whole sugarcane thing to find these bodies. And a good bit of them were so decomposed that they still don't know who they are. Oh, my gosh. And you got to think, this was just back in 1997. That's wild. Well, when he would bury them, after he, you know, tilted the head, got the saliva out. Okay, we know. He would bury them in a way that he would intentionally have their face facing his house because he felt like that gave him more power, more like from their souls, basically. Wow. So here's the thing is that it really could have been more than 42, but I feel like he probably had a good count if he was trying to get to actually 70. Yeah. He probably did have a pretty good count, but over 80 women went missing in that time frame, kind of around that area. So it could have been more. So he was, like I said, arrested and convicted and sentenced to death. His last wish, like, you know, kind of like last meal type thing here, his last wish was that he could see his wife that had been convicted too, and they did let them see one another. And then on July 10th, 2008, he was executed by a firing squad. Mm. How long did she get? Life. Life. So that was actually a recommendation you're going to be like, oh, of course, that, but because they always give us the best recommendations, but that was a recommendation from Sakwa. So thank you so much for recommending mm. that story. I was like, Sorcerer, this is coming out right around Halloween. Uh, I'm doing it. Yeah. So that's a story of the Sorcerer of Indonesia. Wow. This like prolific serial killer that most people have never even heard of. Right. And even went so under the radar because he was a pillar of the community. Yeah. Yeah, I had never heard of him. I never want to hear about him again because disgusting. Yeah, how about me being a dodo bird and thinking he could have Ed gained that? <laughs> She's a doctor, y'all. That makes no fucking sense, Carrie. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, God bless. Oh, and you know what he did do? While he was in prison, he denounced all of his sorcery and became a devout Muslim, and was even like a spiritual guider for other inmates. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, bro, you're not going to get out because you're like, I'm not a sorcerer anymore. Right. You know what? I actually changed my mind, and here we are. Right. Wow. Well, and I love how he was like, all right, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to change my name. I'm going to basically be a con man. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to kill these people. And I'm then I'm going to marry three sisters. Yeah. Like, like I'm going to do all the wrong things. Could you imagine sharing a spouse with your sisters? No. 
first of all, there's no man on earth that one could put up with me and all my sisters other than my father. And luckily for him, we were so spread out in age, he didn't really have to. Right, I was going to say. <laughs> but two, it's like the personalities are so different. How can you be that partner for all of them? Because they're all so different. Yeah. But it definitely sounds like he had his like number one mm-hmm. and his ride or die. And yeah. she went down with him. But they say that like the other two really didn't know what was going on. Oh, and one more, like, are you fucking serious? He was one of the six people to, like, unearth the body when that farmer found the mound of dirt. And he was, like, got the other people to come help him. Oh, my God! He was one of the six. Like, Imagine what that. is this? What's in this pile? Oh, it's a body. Huh. You know what they say. They love to go back to the scene of the crime. Yep. They'll put themselves in... All the stuff. Oh, let me go look for that person. Mm-hmm. Oh, this building's burning? Let me stand here and watch it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he's a shit human. Wow. But it was like, there was no, like, whatever about the murders. Like, it was very, almost transactional. Like, he needed something from them. Ergo, they had to die. Like, it was not. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's a psychopath, and he didn't care about their life. But it was still very ritualistic in that for him to get what he wanted. Like they were bound. They were like, what I picture like long sitting in a grave while he strangled them, got what he wanted from them and then buried them. Uh You know, there was no sexual component to it or anything like that. The only reason why they were naked was so that they would decompose faster. Mm -hmm. That's why I say it was very like transactional. Yeah. I mean, they even paid him to do it. Because he's a good con man. He had to survive. He had three wives and nine kids. He had to make it till he can get 70 people. And then, infamy. Ugh. Gross. Gross, gross, gross. So hopefully your story has a little less ick. A lot less ick. Okay, so I lied. My story has a little ick to it, but it's a different kind of ick. Oh, God. No, uh, drinking saliva from dead hoods. You don't have to, mm-mm, you don't have to say it ever again in your life. Oh my God. It's speaking of that though. Um, I saw where somebody posted on their Facebook and it's like them. Whose skull is that? Me raising it to my lips to take a drink. A guy named Philip. Them. What's in it? Ew. Me. Vodka and orange juice. Them. Me. It's a Phillips head screwdriver. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> So how, like, very inappropriate to, like, to this story, but LOL at the same time. Well, you'll actually be able to give some information that I might leave out because I'm covering the Joshua Ward house in Salem. Oh. Yeah. So in turn, I'll touch a little bit on the Salem witch trials, but, like, I'm skimming just the surface of it. So that's why I say ick, but not the same ick. So Joshua Ward House is located at 148 Washington Street and currently known as The Merchant. And it's a boutique hotel in Salem. But it was originally built by Joshua in 1784. It was one of the first brick houses in Salem, just an FYI. Okay, very shishi. Mm-hmm. It's... Three stories tall, and in 1789, George Washington himself spent a night there. 
Joshua had picked this location because he was a sea merchant and a wealthy one at that, and he wanted to have a prime view of the South River, and this property had a full view of it. However, if he had known who had owned the property before him and what had taken place there, he might have thought twice about it. Maybe he wouldn't have thought twice. I don't know him. But I'm about to tell you who did own the property before. So in 1692, High Sheriff George Corwin lived on the property. And this was right at the height of the Salem Witch Trials. Georgie Boy was 25 years old, and I'm not saying he only got this position because of who he was related to, but two of his family members were justices. I was going to say, but you're not not saying it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, under his watch, you know, 19 men and women were hanged and murdered. Fuck him. But before they were killed, they were usually tortured to get a plea out of them. And according to the book Death in Salem, The Private Lives Behind the 1692 Witch Hunt, George would sometimes use his own house to interrogate these people. And let me just say, his nickname was The Strangler. Um. Yeah. I feel like that's not an interrogation practice that would stand up today. No. No, 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 no. Well, he got this because his favorite type of torture was to... Bind his victim, because that's what they were. So he would bind his victim's ankles together, and then to their neck, and then tighten the pull until they bled from their nose. Oh my god. And this was all to make sure they pleaded guilty for practicing witchcraft. Why? Because they had no other fucking evidence against them? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they had eyewitnesses and stuff, but they really needed that plea. And this worked for a while, but there was one person he could not get a plea out of. And this person was Giles Corey. And I know you know the story of him, but for the peeps at home, I'm going to talk a little bit about him. So a little history on Giles. He was born in England in 1621, married Margaret, and the two of them made the three-month journey over to America and they settled in Salem. They had a daughter, and he became a farmer. And he became a pretty successful farmer. Margaret later died, and then he remarried in 1664 to Mary Bright. They again were into farming and all that shiz. And again, this is real brief. But in 1675, shit hit the fan when Giles found Jacob Goodall, his farmhand, had stolen apples from the storage. Well, Giles beat him to death with a stick. Ooh, I Mm. didn't know this part. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, then he told everyone, oh, but he failed. That's what happened. What? I didn't know any of this. Okay, okay. Well, no one was really buying that. And so Giles was pretty important, okay? But there was this other important person who was also a farmer, John Proctor, And he testified that he heard Giles confess that he had beaten Jacob to death. But again, Giles was important. He was well-respected. He was a church-going citizen. And so mostly everyone agreed that he should only pay a fine and not serve any time. And life went on then. But his reputation was a bit stained. Mary Bright died. 
And six years later, Giles went on to marry a woman named Martha. And just at this time, Giles was in his 80s, which was pretty old for back then, I feel like. It's fucking pretty old for right now, I feel like, given (laughs) the creaking of my body. Same. Well, Martha and Giles happened to be amongst the first people who watched the pre-trials examinations of the Salem witches. And Martha was like, this is a little shady. She knew something wasn't right. And the more they witnessed, the more Martha knew that Giles' past would come back to haunt him. So she didn't want him anywhere near these trials. So she ended up hiding his saddle to try to stop him from going. And unfortunately, this made people side-eye them and accuse her of being a witch, of course. And unfortunately, Martha had a, quote, checkered sexual past and had a son out of wedlock. Oh, no. mm -hmm, So she was a heathen anyway, But they had overlooked that because, you know, she was a good Christian woman. But now they can no longer turn the other cheek. She was a witch. Isn't that like literally in the Bible? (laughs) Turn the other cheek. (laughs) If you know about the witch trials, you know that the girls would basically act like marionette dolls and like be puppets to people and act like they were controlled by them, but they weren't. So they started to copy whatever Martha was doing and said that she was making them do it. And so she was arrested on March 21st, 1692. And you know what Giles had the audacity to do? No fucking telling. Testify against her. His wife? His wife. Okay, see, you know what? I used to be like, yeah, like I love him. And now I I fucking hate him. I know, I know. I didn't know any of this either. Like I only knew this one part of this story. And then I was like, wait a tick. But okay. He said that he had seen her kneel down silently by the fire. And she seemed like she had been in prayer. And the next thing he knew, his ox and his cat fell ill. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. But in a turn of events, less than a month later, Giles would be in jail too, being accused of being a warlock by some of the same young girls. Also, all these motherfuckers skipped the first day of fucking Psych 101. I think I said this a second ago. Correlation does not imply causation. (laughs) But during his trial, he was different. Giles refused to enter a plea of guilty. He refused to speak. He did this, and it might have been to redeem himself from, you know, getting lost in the hysteria and testifying against his wife because they brought that back up and he wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't speak on it. But really, he did this so he could deed his farming land to his two son-in-laws. Because if he entered a guilty plea, then His land, when he died, because he was going to die, whatever the outcome was, he would die. Right. He knew this. But if he entered a plea, the state would get his land. But if he didn't, he still had control of it. And so it would go on to his family. I mean, good on him for that, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. I mean, still fuck him a little bit, but good on him for that. For sure. So good old boy George was able to live out his sadistic fantasies on Giles. His torture would be, I'm going to murder this French, but 
pain forte e dora, but it means hard and forceful punishment. And it's usually when the defendant would be crushed to death, and it's called pressing. So in this instance, Giles was stripped naked and forced to lay in a hole. And some say he had to dig his hole too, but I didn't find that everywhere. Then a board was placed on top of him, and then men slowly piled large stones onto this board. This torture was slow and would take days to kill a person. And every time George would return to see if Giles would plead guilty, all Giles would say is more More weight. But also with that, because it's like, that's so like, ooh. Iconic. Yeah. But also people were like, he just wanted to die sooner. True, 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 And I'm like, well, damn. (laughs) I mean, that's true. (laughs) Like, he's just like, hurry up. Yeah, but also he's like, it is a bit of like a Oh, for sure, for sure. He's standing his ground and he's not breaking. That's like literally all he said. Yes. And I said it. Or is it? Well... (laughs) Well, also, there were instances where Giles's tongue would be forced out of his mouth from the pressure that was on top of him, and George would force it back in his mouth with his cane and, like, laugh. Wait, what? Yeah, like, he would be like, and George would be out there, and he had his cane and, like, to poke at him Yeah, and would poke it back in his mouth. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. It's very unsanitary. (laughs) Well, after two days of torture, Giles finally passed. But rumor has it that his last words to George were, Damn you, I curse you, and Salem. Well, that is not what you want to hear from an alleged witch. (laughs) Warlock, but yes. And even though he wasn't the last killing in the witch trials, historians do believe that this made a lot of people kind of second guess the usefulness of the tactics. And Giles has been labeled a martyr. And I think knowing all of his past and stuff, it kind of shows you that no matter who you are, you can make a difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even though, you know, you do, you're like, wow, I didn't know all of that. But it is like, you know what? He still, in the end, made a difference. Yeah, he stood up to that torture and his family got his land. Yeah. One of the museums that I went to when I was there, they had like a recreation of the dungeons and they had him like with a looked like like a big like you said like a big piece of wood with like boulders on him and literally like the voiceover would be like oh wait yeah but it was so interesting it was so like eerie because they had like kind of like animatronic people that were yeah you know actors for but they're animatronic people so they're not real people but anyway they would have different size cells based on what your family could pay oh wow because not only were you jailed, you had to pay to be there. Mm. So if your family was poor, then you either had to share a cell. Even if you were by yourself, you were in like literally the size of a coffin. And 
I think even sometimes people had to share those, but I could be wrong oh about that gosh. part. Oh my gosh. But they had one where you could see how big it actually was. And that, it's just, you know, you hear, okay, the size of a coffin, like, you know, you got an yeah. idea, but like to lay eyes on it and to see like an animatronic or even just like a dummy sitting mm-hmm. there, standing there, you know, you're like, holy shit. And they're there yeah. for months on end with their family paying. And it's like, you just don't realize how terrible it actually was for them. Yeah. And how many died before even actually going to trial because of the conditions. Right. Yeah. Now, local lore says that Giles's spirit can be seen before something bad happens. Like in 1914, he was seen right before the Great Salem Fire. Then in 1978, the sheriff at the time, Robert Cahill, saw Giles' ghost right before he suffered a heart attack. And in that same year, he suffered a stroke and found out he suffered from a rare blood disorder. And something else to note, George Corwin, that sheriff, he died only four years after Giles. And it was from either a sudden heart attack, because he was only 30 when he died, or a blood clot. And then another sheriff had contracted a, quote, serious blood ailment. And then another one had another heart attack. And the other ones after Robert Cahill had some bad legal trouble. So every single sheriff, including George, had some type of ailment happen that they died or they were either forced to retire from it. I did know that, that like every single sheriff had almost a curse on them. Mm -hmm. Well, it's said to be from Giles. Gotcha. That was until 1991 when they moved the sheriff's office from Salem to the new prison in Middleton. And that seemed to stop the, you know, the bad luck or the actual curse. So going back to the Joshua Ward house, when George Corwin died, it was too cold to bury him. And his family feared that if they left him unattended, the mob would destroy his corpse. Because again, hello, he was a terrible guy. And by the time he died, the witch trials were over. So everyone was back to normal. So he laid to rest in the basement of his house for a few months until they could bury him in the family plot in the Broad Street Cemetery. Now, there's a little legend that has something to do with Philip English. He was the wealthiest of wealthy people in Salem, and both he and his wife were accused of witchcraft. But they had the means to flee and hide out until everything was over. But old George had seized all of their belongings that they left behind, like their home, their shop, you know, things like that. Well, when Philip returned and learned of all of this, he was beyond pissed because George had made a pretty penny for himself confiscating people's assets that were accused. So Philip sued George, but George died before it was finished. So Philip put a lien on his body basically until he was repaid. And he was. So they said that's also why he was put into the basement and not directly buried in the family plot. Wow. Yeah. Because he would take anything and everything but the land. He couldn't take their actual land, but he could take anything else that they had. All right. So obviously there was a lot of shit that went on on this property. 
There are said to be three main spirits that haunt Joshua Ward home. George, Giles, and an unknown witch. There's things that happen like in a locked room, trash cans being knocked over out of the blue the next morning. You know, she comes in and her fucking office is destroyed. Random cold spots throughout the house and doors that randomly open and close by themselves. As far as George's ghost goes, visitors claim that they feel choked by unseen hands, and we know he was called the Strangler. Mm-hmm. There was a man who said he was on the second floor, and all of a sudden, he just felt his throat closing up, like something was squeezing around his neck. And when he was finally able to twist free, he looked around only to find an empty hallway. No one there. Also, George has been spotted sitting by the fireplace in a chair. Then there's Giles. And I don't necessarily know why they say it's him, like if they've seen his apparition or not. But still, they say he's kind of angry, which checks because that's kind of how he was in life. They say he's kind of petty, which, to be honest, checks. That's how he was in life. He yanks books off of shelf and throws them to the floor They also have attributed the candles that they found in blobs of wax to him because they've never even lit the candles, but they'll be like tumped over, melted, but like the wick is still completely intact, but melted. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. And sometimes it's like they're melted into like shapes of the alphabet. Like someone's trying to like tell a, like give a message. Hmm. Then there's a woman in black, or the unknown witch. And people have claimed to witness a woman dressed in all black, and she can be heard crying all throughout the house. So after Joshua Ward lived there, it went through several different things, the house. In the 1980s, a realty company had bought it to station their headquarters there. Well, that's when the books and stuff went a-flying. Well, there was this one instance that had everyone buzzing. It was at a Christmas party they had, and Del Lewinsky, one of the real estate agents, went around with a Polaroid camera taking pictures of everyone to hang up as a little holiday welcome display. But after they took a picture of one female employee, they were shocked to see that it was a full-length figure that had wild black hair. Because she was taking them kind of like passport style, like shoulder and head, like shoulder and up. And so they called this a witch. Like that's, if you just kind of glance at it, that's what you would see, like a crazed witch. I mean, has society changed much? You know what I mean? Like in the 1980s, you're like, this must be a witch. Okay. But (laughs) 400 years later and they're still like, a witch. Yeah. And a crazed witch at that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be a Debbie Downer because it kind of just looks like it's a wreath behind her. But I don't know. <laughs> like, that's what it kind of looks like to me. Now, I will say, now, if she was taking it shoulder length, passport style, mm-hmm. and then it came out a full length figure and stuff, it's like, wait, what? Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. But um, mm, I don't know. Like... I can kind of see it's a person in front of a wreath and the, like, development might have just not come out right. Right. 
But there was a janitor who quit right after he saw a woman who had unruly black hair, who was thin and very pale. And I mean, that's a picture. And that was before the picture happened. So I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they were like, oh, this looks exactly like what they said. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But another person witnessed her sitting in a chair upstairs, just staring out the window. So I feel like there is a spirit there. I don't know if they were just trying to make it happen or it might have been something. I don't know. But another thing about the woman in black, she doesn't seem too keen on the men. Several have reported unexplained scratches on them or have just felt really uncomfortable and like they were being watched while they were inside the house. Which, I mean, checks if she was being tried as a witch. You know who was torturing her. You know who was in charge of her fate. Right. All older men. During the time of that company, one of the alarms in the house was triggered over 60 times, and they could never find out any calls. And something else that happened when Richard Carlson, who was the owner of that real estate company, he was meeting with a client and was searching for a land graph, couldn't find it, when all of a sudden, out of the storage closet, comes this piece of paper that just gently lands on the ground in front of him and his client. And, oh, yeah, it's that land graph. What? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can I have a ghost like that? Because that is what I need. Right. I can't ever find shit. Right. So Spellbound Tours is a local tour company for Salem. And one of their first investigations was the Joshua Ward House. On their website, they have some experiences listed out, and I want to tell you about some. They use fake names for this one, and they use Mary and Robert, so I want to use those as well. And Mary and Robert were partners, and Robert was the more skeptical one. We all have one of those in our lives. They were doing the whole... (laughs) I felt that shame. It might have taken me a second, but I felt that shame. (laughs) She does pay attention. Well, they were doing the whole preliminary recording stuff, walking through, you know, whatevs. Well, Mary was on the third floor, and Robert had went down to the basement. And they were like, all right, in like 30 minutes, we'll meet back in the parlor. Cool, 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 whatevs. Well, she's doing her thing, and then she's like, wait, we should have met in the parlor. Like, you know, time has passed. Shit. So she yells out for him. No answer. The other people in the house hadn't seen him, and they only knew he was in the basement. So, of course, Mary runs to the basement, and there's Robert on the ground, writhing in pain, looking like he is struggling to breathe. Mary was able to get him to sit up and just shook him to where he was back to the land of the living, and he started telling her what had happened to him. Robert goes on to tell her how he was struck from behind and he felt like his throat was being squeezed. He, of course, twisted around, but no one was there. But no matter what he did, the squeezing sensation continued. And it was getting worse. He tried to scream, but of course he couldn't. And he said it was like he was being choked by unseen hands. And that's when he began to black out. Mary found him just in time. He had just passed out. 
And as Robert was telling her what had happened, she saw the bruising appear around his neck. And that was his last investigation. There is another experience when the founder and former head investigator of Spellbound, Molly Stewart, she was in Joshua Ward House. So she's a huge advocate for EVPs. She had been twice before and really hadn't got any good evidence or anything. So this third time, she really wasn't expecting anything and wasn't really scared to be by herself. She had done her thing and she was collecting all her shit And when she was playing them back at the office, she discovered she did, in fact, get something this time. You see, Molly is not a fan of digital recordings. She's an old analog type of tape maven, okay? The evidence was collected from the basement, and it was a rough voice kind of growling, I just want to keep you. Oh my god, what in the fucking creepy Casper? Right? And she said it was pretty clear, so she checked all the footage to make sure that no one was or had been in the basement or anywhere close, and there was no one. They all believe that Joshua Ward House is the most haunted house in Salem, and they're not alone. If you pull up the old Goog, it's near the top of what comes up, and most sites have it listed as the most haunted. So I thought it had a little witchery in there, a little Ooh. haunting. All the things for Halloween. A witch and a sorcerer today. (laughs) I know, right? I think we just went by that house. Like, I mean, I know we didn't go in, but... Probably because it was a freaking boutique hotel. Because that happened in 2005, I think, when they bought that. Well, and then there were, like, some because it was October when we actually... Like, my sister and my friend Katie came and I actually did, like, the touristy stuff Mm -hmm. there. So the lines and stuff were much longer. yeah. I liked that story a lot, though. But you know I'm obsessed with Salem. Yeah. I mean, I don't know shit about it, but I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> it's like I learned it all when I was there, and I've forgotten it all. It's okay. But I really loved my time there. Yeah. It was really pretty. All the stuff, like, that you would send. Yeah. It was really pretty. It'd be, like, just part of the highway, and it's like, oh, that's gorgeous. I know. God, the foliage. Like, you could use the word foliage there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, your story was not ick. Like, your story was like, yee, not like, my mouth is watery ick. Right. This is our last main episode of 31 Nights of Halloween. Oh, my gosh. I think this was a good one for it, though. I think so, too. Again, the Salem Witch Trials, a sorcerer. Oh, let's not talk about what he did. Hey, well, since we don't get to do this again, you know, in 31 Nights of Halloween, thank y'all so freaking much. We have had so much fun this 31 Nights of Halloween. We've had Facebook Lives with some very interesting games in the Creepinati. Y'all, y'all, Tiffany has tortured us. Yeah, the shit that she has made us do. (laughs) Because she was guest host on two of them and made us do things that we didn't know what we were doing until we had to do them. (laughs) And whoo, goodness. So if you want to get in on that action, it is never too late because you can always go back and watch the lives after you join Patreon. So if you want a good laugh, there you go. (laughs) Shit goes down on the Facebook lives in the Patreon group. So... Again, you want in on that good, good, you got to go over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. And then you can also go back and listen to all the 31 Nights of Halloween content from this year and the years before. Yeah. 
Thank y'all so very much for supporting us. Don't forget to like and review and subscribe and all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.